hello and welcome to jasonnewland.com My name's Jason Newland and this is Let Me Bore You to Sleep Please only listen when you can safely close your eyes Feeling a bit stuffy the last uh, couple of days, a bit <clears throat> a bit coffee, a bit uh. I think it might be the weather because I would say probably the first for the first time in some time I'm actually feeling a bit cold inside I've got the heating on I'm waiting for it to warm up a bit but it just feels cold in there I tell you what it feels like. It feels like the downstairs flat, the people downstairs have filled the entire flat with ice cubes. <laughs> That's what it feels like. And the ice, the you know, the coldness is just rising through my bones. So yeah, that's what I feel like today. But I know I I know that by the end of this recording I will feel tip top tip top titty titty tip top very well by the end of this recording I will I'll have an upsurge in energy I'll feel healed Mm. see optimism optimism <coughs> See, <coughs> I normally edit out coughs, but I'm just leaving it in just for the the sake of the the drama, the dr- the drama, the whole thing. Andre's in the bedroom, having uh, special relations with his girlfriend, the slipper, and a piece of plastic. Yes. Blessing. So today <sighs> Do you know when I told you that I had a two million? Remember I think it was Monday. It's Friday now when I saw Monday I reached two million. It's now two million and twenty seven thousand six hundred and sixty three. It's like, wow, this goes up so quick. I mean, yeah, it's weird how it works. Everything's just getting... I don't know if the word more popular is right, but every... Everything just seems to be increasing, like, stats-wise. I mean, today, it's only half ten. It's not even half ten yet. There's three hours left on the clock before the stats are completed. In fact, it's probably four four hours before they're kind of updated. So at the moment, I've got 7,533... No, 7,553 downloads just today. Yesterday, 6,748. The day before, on Wednesday, 8,078. 
it's been a no, it's, it's growing, isn't it? It's growing, man. And I think the ironic, well, I don't know if it's ironic, but the less feedback I get, the more downloads I seem to get. So lately I've had hardly any messages or comments really of any from anybody. But I guess what is there to say, I suppose, if you've already sent me messages in the past and perhaps I haven't replied in a way that you wanted me to or I'm probably not always the best conversationalist I don't know it's yeah. but if it wasn't for the stats I'd start thinking oh no one's listening because I'm not getting any feedback no one's really kind of contacted me and saying they like what I'm doing or they enjoying it or it's helping yet I'm getting more more listeners every day more 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 and more more and more and more so the lucky number is 10,000 I and mean, I'm getting to the point where I'm aiming for 8,000 every day I don't want it to go below 8,000 Today it will be above eight thousand. Yesterday it wasn't six thousand seven hundred. So you know, but it's still, you know, it's still a good day. It's weird the way I look at it now. It's like, oh, that's a bad day compared to how I want it to be. I want at least eight thousand every single day. But actually, that's not what, what I want is 10,000. I need 10,000. And then once I get to 10... Well, now I've got to 8,000, I know I can do 10. Once I get to 10, I'll know that I can do 20. You know, with work and time and, you know, just doing what I need to do. Keep doing what I'm doing. Once I get to 20,000 downloads a day, then... I can then become self-sufficient. That's the aim. I can then become self-sufficient and I can have this as my occupation. Which will be groovy. Instead of being a very expensive hobby. <laughs> so, thank you for listening. If you're listening, where you're listening... For whatever reason you're listening, uh, and just let you know, there's nobody going to be talking on this. I'm not going to have a phone call conversation with anybody during this recording. It's just us, just me and you. Oh, just me and you. No one else. No one else at all. So I've made a few recordings today. Well, this is... I've done two recordings. One with music. So I did a relaxation. It's a really good one. I am biased towards what I do, but... It was... Uh, what was it called? Wow. So even on that podcast, the... Real, pod, podcast? The podcast. 
relaxation hypnosis for stress and anxiety and panic attacks. Even now, I've had 1,982 downloads today. So I did a recording called Focusing on This Moment to Relax and Sleep. So I did that this morning. And... It's a very positive recording. Very positive. And... Not that my other stuff is negative, but those, I mean, pretty much every recording I do for the relaxation, hypnosis, or stress, etc., podcast is a positive recording because it has to be, really. But I just find it. Yeah, I just find it very interesting how things are going. So, I did a Jason's Bedtime Story Time. And, <laughs> okay, here's the ironic thing. Well, it's not ironic, but I did number 13, Jason's Bedtime Story Time, The Golden Goose, adopted by Jason Newland. And I had three downloads so far of that one. And to give you an idea about that podcast, I've had 12 downloads today, 13 yesterday, 7 the day before for that podcast. So in and of itself, you'd think there's no point at all in doing that. But then, then, you look at, well, you don't look at it, but I look at the other podcast where I have added it added those same recordings and at 57 so far for sleep insomnia hypnosis of that and there'll, there'll be hundreds hundreds of listeners of that that session but here's the weird thing I've just seen this I can't believe it again for the Sleep Insomnia Hypnosis podcast today, 2,749 downloads just for one podcast. So things are going really well. And the reason I'm sharing this with you is because, well, first, I don't think many people who make podcasts do share, share this kind of information. I've listened to some podcasts and I've never known anyone to do that. To so just be as transparent as I am especially as for for someone that's popular my figures would be very very low so I wouldn't you know if I was even when I was only getting maybe you know a thousand downloads a day between all the podcasts I was still telling people that because to me, I was pleased with it because it was growing. But it's a small amount. And my seven or 8,000 a day is still a tiny, tiny, tiny amount compared to popular podcasters, I think. Again, how do I know? I wonder 
I wonder is there a thing is there a website because there's a website where you can check out the stats for YouTube uh, channels you can see how many views they get so check stats for podcasts Check stats. Okay. Uh, few podcast reports. Oh, okay. Is view podcast reports. Access reports. Okay. There must be one. It must be a website. How to measure podcast downloads, access, check your podcast perform podcast statistics. Here are I'll give you both some interesting stats about podcasts. Wow, I don't even look at this. This some of this stuff might actually be useful for me. Ah. I spent a lot of time on the toilet today. Again, I don't want to go into details, but yeah, not not being at my best, if I'm honest. And hopefully, I mean, the, the good thing is, what the hell is Andre doing? Andre, what are you doing, mate? The good thing is. You know, I'm lucky that I'm not answerable to anyone at the moment. So if I need to go to bed or if I need to, you know. Andre, that's not a real sneeze. You know I told you about that. Stop with the false sneezing. <laughs> How many people have ever listened to that? Okay, I'm just looking at this. This is something I should really do in my own time. But I figure as we're together, I like to do different things. You know? Podcast advice, podcast, how we collect and post. <laughs> Why feed hits and monthly downloads are meaningless? Meaningless? Why, Why feed hits and monthly downloads are meaningless? Podcast. It's not meaningless. Not meaningless to me. No. Mm -hmm. So I'm just looking at this. There's probably... For me, I know that Spreaker does the stats correctly because they're in... They joined this, I think it's an international organisation, which means they have to provide exact, correct statistics. So they can't inflate it, you know, to keep people paying them to have a podcast. You know, they have to 
Uh, in fact, it went the opposite way. When they signed up for this and they readjusted all their statistics to fit in with the guidelines to make sure it's all properly done, a lot of people, including me, actually lost stats because they hadn't been collected correctly. This is about a year, maybe two years. Yeah, about a year ago, I think. So now it's all um, industry standard statistics. And there's another way I can tell that, well, there's, there's different ways you can tell that things are going, how it is, how it should be. Overcast, accurate, how to determine numbers, subscribers, how to make your pos. Can't see podcast measurement. Okay, here I'll check something else out. Um, so average stats for podcast. It says here, podcast listeners spend an average six average of six hours and thirty seven minutes listening to podcasts every week. Now, my listeners listen to a lot more than that, so maybe that's why I don't. My audience are not average podcast listeners. Until two years ago, consumers spent only five hours per week listening to podcasts. In two thousand eighteen. It wasn't one sentence, I should have stopped. And in 2018, listening time jumped to 32%. What are good stats for a podcast? Okay, here we go. A podcast episode that has been live approximately 30 days averages 141 downloads. If you have over 3,400 downloads, you are in the top 10%. If you have over 9,000 downloads, you are in the top 5%. Lastly, if you have over 50,000 downloads per episode, again, after having it live for 30 days, you are in the top 1%. Now, that was good until that last sentence, when it said per episode. I don't have 50,000 downloads per episode. I've got a few episodes that are thousands. Um, I average more than 141, well, I, I average more than 141 downloads in a day. So if I, if I release a, a recording, probably two, 200, 300, but then I then I release another recording the next day. So uh, worked out the the I suppose an average daily let me boy to sleep per episode when I release it is about five hundred downloads per episode spread for other different podcasts. That's about all the other ones that listened to from the past and that one being listened to in the future. So I guess well, the reality would be, and I've done this in the past, if I go a week 
or two weeks without making a recording on a podcast, then that podcast statistics will go up. For the last recording, would go up to thousands. But that's because I haven't made a recording for a week or so. So if I only made one recording every 30 days, then I probably would reach the 3,400 quite easily. So if I went and only did one recording for the Deep Sleep Whisper, or only one recording for the relaxation for stress and anxiety every 30 days, I might lose the audience, to be fair, because that's a long time. But I would get, even without the audience, even if I lost the audience, some of the audience, I would still get, I imagine I would get probably about 9,000 in a month. Quite easily, I reckon. 50,000? 50,000? No. Not 50,000. Per episode in 30 days? No. But, I do get 140, 150,000 a month in 30 days throughout the different podcasts I do. So, I don't know, it's hard to tell. How much does the average podcast make? Yes, here it is. It says an, ex- an estimate. If your podcast has about 10,000 downloads per episode, you can expect to make between $500 to $900 per episode in affiliate sales. If your podcast has 10,000 downloads... No, that is not true. Well, not in my experience. 10,000, so 10,000 isn't a lot. Um, 519, 19,900. Now, 10,000 downloads would be probably about $40 on my advertising stream so 10,000 be $40 they're saying 500 to 900 maybe $50 maybe even 60 at a push you know if it's a good day if they're being generous but 500 to 900 per episode can you imagine that I'll get $500 a day to have 10,000 which means 8,000 would give me well easy isn't it 500 minimum for 10,000 so basically for every 2,000 you're getting $100 so it's 2 plus 500 so $400 a day is what I would be getting now on 8,000 downloads $400 a day Blimey, mister. That would be $146,000 a year. No, that is not what I'm getting. It really isn't. 
it's not yeah wow I mean I would hope at the very least you know I'm looking at 20,000 a day to give me $80 a day which would be enough to live on and also pay pay myself a minimum wage of 15,000 a year and then pay the cost of running the service and the rest would be invested back into promotion and paying for equipment and stuff like that so I don't know how they come up with that five can you imagine how many people start actually take up doing this stuff thinking that they're going to make $500 an episode wow here's another question how many listeners do you need to make money on a podcast to put harder numbers on it many sponsorship agencies look for 3,000 to 5,000 listeners per episode before they'll take you on but if you're doing it yourself it's perfectly possible to earn a decent sponsorship income once you pass the 1,000 to 2,000 mark especially if you have a particular niche audience well okay I can kind of see that I think the way things are going there's a couple of my podcasts that are becoming more popular the audience is growing to the point where there will come a point where I'm getting thousands per episode even though I'm recording a new one every day I'm still going to be getting thousands per episode so I suppose once that kicks in many, maybe some of the advertisers would want to advertise with me because they look at the statistics and they'd think well and they'd, they'd pay the advertising company or they'd pay Spreaker because Spreaker take 50% I think of the advertising revenue but they do a lot of the work they do all of the work as far as apart from making a podcast so I suppose it's possible maybe maybe it would go up maybe if I was getting I mean possibly maybe I'm doing too many recordings perhaps if I only did one recording a week and let the stats build up so that I had if I did one a week one let me bore you to sleep a week one deep sleep whisper week one relaxation for stress all of those recordings would get you know at, you know thousands each downloads at least 1000 but probably maybe you know up to the 5, 6, 7, 9, 10,000 not that much I'm just thinking no probably not 5 5 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35 3,500 listeners 
per week, probably for my Let Me Boy to Sleep podcasts, episodes, uh, I don't know, can you make a living podcasting is a question, sponsorships are the most common way podcasters make money, this is when the podcast promotes the sponsor during the show, you probably hear your favourite shows plug their advertisers a few times in every episode. No, you don't, not with me. How much you earn from a sponsor depends on the number of downloads your episodes earn. Which makes sense. Um... It's a weird one. How much money does Call Her Daddy podcast make? I've not heard of that one. The contract reportedly states that they each make 75000 annually in the base salary, going up to 100000 after three years with additional compensation for downloads. Call Her Daddy. It's a drama, apparently. How much does Joe Rogan make per podcast? He has claimed that his show gets as many as 190 million downloads per month. Wow. Wow. 190 million downloads per month. Should we, I'll say it one more time. No, I won't. 190 million downloads per month between ad revenue, live shows and YouTube broadcasts of the programme Rogan makes 30, made 30 million last year making him Ford's highest paid podcaster of 2019 190 million downloads per month ok let me work out how much I would earn based on if I was I've got 190 million downloads. Wow! So here we go. I just had a, just had someone at the door. Then, right, where was I? See, you know, I said to you that I was going to feel better. I do. I don't know what it is. I mean, I'm not. I'm not really. A spiritual person although you could say well all the years I spent uh, involved in Buddhism would kind of say the opposite to that in a way but I don't like the word spiritual for when I when I think of it for myself not for other people uh, but for me it doesn't doesn't really ring true to me I don't really think of myself as spiritual but holy I think holy is a better word uh, I would like to be called your worship that is a way to be addressing me I think uh, <laughs> I don't know um, healer he heal I mean, you know, Jason does, it's got two meanings in Greek mythology, is the healer and healing hands. 
Jason. Um, so, and I do have healing hands. When I did massage, I did the massage course and the reflexology course. I was really good at it. And again, what is it about saying that I'm good at something? I feel like I'm bragging, uh, but I'm not. Because in these recordings, I probably say more negative stuff about myself and put myself down, even in a kind of a humorous way, than I do saying positive things about myself. But, and then when I say something, oh, I'm good at that. Well, I was good at that. I'm not now. I don't do it. But it seems to, I don't know, it seems almost like I'm showing off and I'm not, it doesn't feel right. I don't like to be show off. I mean, some people, some people may say that I'm quite good at hypnosis and doing hypnosis recordings. I couldn't possibly comment on that other than I hope so. Um, I hope that somebody's benefiting otherwise what is the point in listening you know not not to these so much because this isn't hypnosis this is just me chatting about stuff but with some of the other things I do there's a real intention a positive do I want to use the word loving I don't know but I'm you know I'm I'm tapping into the love inside me that hides most of the time when I make a recording I genuinely with every ounce of my being wish that the words I'm saying in those recordings are going to have a healing effect a beneficial effect mentally, emotionally, physically whether they do or not I may never know I mean I, I do you know I've had feedback I have had people tell me that they do but I'm, I'm hardly bombarded with uh, messages from people it goes through periods Sometimes I get lots of messages saying, oh, what you do is great and it's really helped. And then I just get hardly any feedback. Or sometimes I go through periods when people send me PayPal gifts and it's like, wow, they really love me. And then nothing, and which is fine either way because a gift is something that someone gives to you. You can't expect it. And it's a wonderful thing. I give my gift every day. But my gift isn't money. My gift is my voice. my <laughs> And my cheeky little jokes every now and then. <laughs> my time. Yeah. So I'm feeling better now. I think either that or the ice cubes downstairs melted <laughs> maybe it's just a big a big massive pool of warm water 
but yeah I'm looking forward to tomorrow because I'm watching the boxing on telly and my friend I've got two friends coming around they're my neighbours so they're they're in my bubble actually so which is good uh, so they're coming upstairs and I see them you know most days anyway but they're going to come up and we're going to watch the boxing together it's uh, Usyk and Chisora the main event and a few other bouts as well so I'd like to order pizza but I can't can't do that but it'd be nice because I you know I like to have pizza when there's a boxing on but it's going to be a good night it'd be yeah it'd be good it's nice I don't really like watching things with other people like movies or television the news is okay um, but boxing yeah as long as mind you I oh, I remember I had a, a knock at the door and I was here with my friend and we were watching Anthony Joshua fighting this is probably three years ago maybe two two three years ago Saturday night I paid £20 or whatever for this fight we were all set up and my friend had a in fact I might have even had a can of lager so we were just chilling out just looking forward to the fight and there's a knock on the door and it was another neighbour and so I, I kept her outside because she wanted to speak to my friend I said oh and then we'd start chatting and you know I'll get on all right with her and then in the end I said well just just come in you know I, f I felt I was being rude plus I was missing the boxing which was annoying me so she came in and they said oh boxing I'm oh, a big fan of boxing love boxing and okay and then the the main event starts and she says so who's that bloke then I said he's the world champion that's Anthony Joshua oh and who's that one like you don't know who if you don't know who they are you're not a fan of boxing if you don't know who the heavyweight champion of the world is you are not a fan of boxing now I understand you can't perhaps know the name of every world champion in the boxing world because there are so many you know there's there's now well, you've got WBA WBC IBF WBO world champion belts um, plus there's what is it IBH or so there's another one they tried to try and sort of make popular but that's not working so there's four main titles oh there's the ring magazine one as well so there's five five titles that are up for grabs in each weight division and there's there's weight divisions that have literally got a few pounds between them seriously this is going to bore the bore the bras off you this is seriously this is going to be so boring because I'm now going to read you the weights <laughs> boxing weight classes but you'll be surprised at how many there are okay you ready um, oh, what are you doing weight class boxing 
professional boxing. Are oh, you? What are you doing? Modern Sometimes it really is annoying when. Okay, so I'm going to go back. Boxing weight divisions. Here we go. This is proper. This is Britannic. Britannica, so it will be correct without sending me to lots of different pages. So it says here during the 19th century, and again at the beginning of the 20th century, the popularity of boxing brought about the formation of weight divisions other than the heavyweight class to eliminate the handicap of smaller contestants having to concede excessive weight to their opponents. Some originated in the United States, others in the Great Britain. There are traditionally eight weight divisions in men's boxing. They say men's boxing because women's boxing did not exist until... I don't know what year it, it was allowed in the amateurs. And I don't know what year it was allowed in professionals. But it's a recent phenomenon. Not recent if you're 12 years old, because... It might be happening in the whole of your life. So you might think, well, it's always been there. Yeah, but you're 12. If you're 50 or 32 like me, you can, you know, I can remember back where women were not allowed to fight in boxing. Um, there was a time when women were not allowed to train in boxing gyms. But there was a time when women were not allowed in pubs in England. Uh, you know, it says there was a time when women were not allowed to vote. Isn't it really weird to think how how much we've given women? So ungrateful, considering. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. This is some mad. I never understood why why would I've met so many women over the years and I've never I've never thought to myself that men I've met, met a lot of men a lot of women as everyone has you know but I've worked in a nightclub I've worked in had lots of different jobs so I've met a lot of people over the years lived with lots lots of different people as well I've never felt that one sex was superior to another I just didn't you know maybe part of that was because I was born into a society where women did have uh, a lot more equal opportunities than they had previous generations I mean let's face it I was my first politician that I ever remember the first prime minister that I remember was Margaret Thatcher. Now there were other prime ministers during my life because I was born in. Let's pretend I was born in nineteen seventy, shall we? Just for the sake of the joke. Um, so Margaret Thatcher, so she was a woman apparently, and so she was. For me, a, a prime minister being a woman was no different to a, a man being a prime minister. In fact, if anything, I thought women were the ones that should be Prime Minister. I thought 
wow, when, um, what's his name? I forget his name, whoever took over from the Prime Minister, John, it's, it's, not, it's not John Mann, that's a comedian. Um, 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 that's weird, his, 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 his name's gone out of my head. But anyway, when he was Prime Minister, I was like, oh, I'm not allowed to do that job. And women have always been allowed in pubs since I've been probably alive. Women have been able to vote as long as I've been alive. Um, boxing, no. But then you weren't allowed to... Amateur boxers were not allowed to box with beards. They had to use their fists. <laughs> now, they weren't allowed to have beards if they were if they were amateur boxers, which meant a whole big part of the world wasn't allowed to partake in amateur boxing if their religion or their belief system that they'd um, been indoctrinated, you know, been born into and uh, brainwashed in uh, told them that they should wear a beard all the time uh, so when they dropped that suddenly we had people from other countries that were phenomenal boxers that then became world champions and Olympic gold medalists and stuff uh, and now I think they're trying to do it for Hindus uh, to allow boxers to wear not temples what is it um, the hats that they wear the um, turbans is it turbans yeah so is it I don't know if turbans the right word but because you've got Hindus and Sikhs unless it's turban for both but until now, that's been... <laughs> the thing is, I I'm not laughing at the turban. I'm just thinking, it's an advantage, isn't it? Because, you know, it's protecting your head. It's got to be a good thing, surely, if you're a boxer. But um, I think that they're trying to get around that. So what that will mean is, in the future, if that happens... There will be future world title holders and future Olympic gold medalists who are wearing a turban. So I think that's exciting. Not, I'm not interested in the turban bit, just the idea that it opens it up for more people to do what they are good at. I think everyone should be allowed. I think not only should women be allowed to box, I think women should be allowed to box men if they want And you know something I've noticed? I know probably no one listening to this would be interested in anything I've got to say, so it doesn't really matter. But from observing, because I didn't, this part of me doesn't like the idea of women punching each other. And 
that's I guess been taught to me you know again I've been brainwashed into the idea that women are the weaker sex and women should be shouldn't be doing stuff like that and women are soft and gentle and which isn't true you know it's it's no more true than all men are aggressive and all men are horrible and you know it's just we're all just people aren't we and I've met women that are stronger as strong as any man I've ever met okay not that often but I've met women that would cleanly easily pick a man above her head and just crush him I've met women like that and so I you know part of me also knew that women could also be really really cruel as well as men as well as humans it's a human ability to be nice or to be horrible or to be aggressive and stuff what I didn't expect and I should have really based on my knowledge of what I've seen in the past is I've never ever once seen a female boxer boxers fighting where one of them's in there just to survive just for a paycheck never seen that once even if one's a lot better than the other one yeah they both go at it and they both give it everything they've got 100% now if you don't watch boxing you may not realise this but some boxers even though I won't really say a word against any boxers because to do that job is it's a hard job to do you know you're ruining your health for the future um, but the boxers that do that stuff but I've seen lots of men fighting in the ring where I mean, I've, been, I've even seen it where both of them didn't seem like they wanted to actually have a fight I've seen loads where one just lays down at the first opportunity never seen that in the women's fighting ever so technically based on the short lifespan of women's boxing so far in the future 10-20 years time the best boxer pound for pound well it's kind of on that verge now but the best boxers in the world will be women because they will be outshining the men so much so because I don't know why but they're just more aggressive in the ring and I don't know why that is I'm pleased but I don't want to see it outside the ring you know and you might I know some people go oh it's aggressive and it's controlled it's a sport you know it's a sport when I did karate uh, I entered a couple of competitions didn't do very well uh, but I loved every second of it even losing I didn't love the losing but even losing a contest in doing something you enjoy doing 
even losing is better than not doing it at all. The same with the comedy. When I did that, you know, I devoted my life to that for seven, seven or eight years. Even when I did bad gigs, and I did lots of bad, lots and lots of bad gigs, especially the first year and year or two. 91, 92. But I, people couldn't believe I kept coming back. But I don't give up. I never give up. Apart from when I do give up. But, you know, generally, I, I stuck at it for seven years. And I became semi-professional. You know, I think if, if you get paid, then you're set. You, if you get paid enough to earn a living and you don't do any other job, then you're a professional or whatever it is you're doing. If you get paid and it's not enough to live on, then you're semi-professional. That's, that's my thinking around it. So I was a semi-professional stand-up comedian for from 93 onwards. And then by 96, it started to peter out started to kind of reduce 97 I didn't do you know I wasn't doing as much but I was better I was a much better comedian in 95 90, yeah 95 I was at my peak you know at that time that was when I was really was getting paid and I was yeah enjoying it sometimes sometimes I'd go on stage and my best gigs when I just used to make funny noises and I just talk but then I just I didn't know, I didn't even know I was going to make the weird noises and I did they sort of just seemed to naturally pop out of my mouth and so I started off doing comedy aggressive comedy I was very blue in fact, I wasn't blue. I was just downright disgusting, to be fair. I did. I used to say stuff that if I said it to you now, if I said it on here, a lot of people wouldn't want to listen again. They'd be very upset and stuff. So that's why... You know, but that was a long time ago, man. It's 25 years ago. Uh, so, But that's the kind of comedy that I liked. In fact, I do still like that kind of comedy. I do. I love it. But my repertoire or my taste in comedy is hugely wide. I love all types of comedy. And you know what? I think it's the best gift um, to be able to appreciate different types of comedy is a gift. And obviously the, the comedy itself is a gift, but the more wider the more wider your, um, or the more open, maybe that could be another word, the more open you are to different types or different styles of comedy, the more fun you can have. You know, in a sense of if you can, even if you've got no money, you've got nowhere to go, you've got no one to go out with or anything like that, if you've got a radio or you got the internet, you got a TV set, you got, you know, you, you can watch comedy, stand up uh, shows from 
the 1950s onwards. Andre, hi baby. You're right. Why, why do I love him so much? He's the side of my chair on the floor. He's laying on some clothes. And he's, uh, he's kind of... It might have been him saying, Dad, can you please shut up? So, me being nice to him just then, uh, perhaps I shouldn't have been. Yeah, but having that wide spectrum, there's so much to watch and listen to uh, on TV. And you know what? The other day I mentioned it, and I need, I want to try and get back to reminding myself of what it is. But I've discovered some American comedians from probably the 70s maybe the 80s that I'd never heard of before that are absolutely hilarious really really funny and the thing with I would say I was probably a little bit of a comedy connoisseur especially with stand up comedy I was once I hit 18, I always loved comedy from right at an early age. As a kid, young kid, watching it on telly, uh, I I never saw one stand-up comedy show live when I was about 16 or 17. And But, you know, I used to watch live stand-up on television... And then when I was 18, I started collecting live videos, um, you know, live shows on video. So I had Robin Williams, Whoopi Goldberg. Oh, here's a thing. Just to show, if I... This is a subject that I'm still passionate about. It's weird, because... When I start talking about it, I realise how passionate I am still about comedy. Yet, my time has passed, you know, that, that for that stuff. It's just a shame. Because I clearly love it. I'm just getting excited talking about it. And I'm not talking about me doing it, I'm just talking about the subject. Wow. Isn't that strange? So, but anyway, I I got the yeah. Get if you get a chance, Whoopi Goldberg did a video. It was a live concert, but it wasn't stand-up comedy. It was a West End show where she won loads of awards. She was a stand-up comedian as well. But this show is like a one-woman show where she played different characters. And it was funny, it was moving, it was emotional. You know, it was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And I fell in love with Whoopi Goldberg. 
I just did, fell in love with her. And uh, that was before she was famous. And it was definitely before anyone knew about her in, in my country. And I'm, tr- I'm, try- I'm trying to think, what was the first, what made her famous here? And they had nuns on the run. But she was Susan Ghost, wasn't she, in the early 90s? Or was that late 80s even, was it? Was Ghost in the late 80s or was it early 90s? Ah. I'm trying to think. I know she's been in loads of movies, but um, and she's a huge, huge star, isn't she? Old Whoopi. I remember when she she dated uh, Ted Danson from Cheers. <laughs> that was great. That was funny. Um, I had Steve Martin. Because, again, being a connoisseur of comedy back then, I was watching Steve Martin films that were not on television in the UK or had even been at the movies. Like The Man With Two Brains, the... uh, Was there one something like me? Um, but with Lily Tomlin so he did quite a few films uh, Lonely Guy I'm sure there was one called Lonely Guy <laughs> and he lived in a, an apartment and there was cardboard life size images of people in, in his um, apartment that was funny The Jerk obviously so that was the one that kind of made him it was like his big film in America that was his first I think it was first huge hit I think but Steve Mine didn't become I mean he was on television he did his stand up routine on some TV shows and stuff late night TV it was Roxanne that made Steve Martin famous here so Roxanne him and Daryl Hannah such I don't know how big the film was in other countries, but it was huge here. Absolutely massive box box office success. And then everything he'd done from there on was a hit, pretty much, for a while. So he did Roxanne. What other films did he do after Roxanne? Did he go straight into doing the the family ones? Father of the Bride. He might have done, you know. I'm sure he did another family one before. In like 1990. And then... All of Me. That's the one with Lily Tomlin. So I was watching his early stuff. The early films. When I was in my teens. So I was about 14, probably. And I was watching these films that he'd made in the early 80s. Because he was a superstar in America. I didn't realise. As far as comedy goes, he was selling out arenas in the 70s. Huge late 70s, but he was a massive star. I'm saying this to people that probably already know that. 
but a lot of people might not know. It's just the same as Bill Cosby. I know perhaps we're not supposed to talk about him anymore, but Bill Cosby was the most successful stand-up comedian that there'd ever been in America. He was filling stadiums, uh, arenas out with his stand-up and he'd just be sitting there on a stool. He had number one albums. You know, he was outselling the Beatles. I made that bit up, but it might be true. With his albums, he was literally, he was, you know, in a, so successful. Um, and that was long before I was even born. But Steve Martin, that was, uh, I got his, when I first saw his live video, so I got a video of him live, and I couldn't believe it. I might I might have listened to his album first, because he had one was was comedy is not pretty, and it's not fun being small, that's another one that he did, I think. I think he had three albums, live concerts, from the late 70s, early 80s, and um, I think I watched the video first, to be fair, and I just found it brilliant. It's like, wow, wow. This is not just amazing, not f- just funny, physically amazing, um, but the bloke can play the banjo like I've never seen anyone do it before. I mean, if you can show me someone that can play the banjo better than Steve Martin, you'll be surprised because he's just phenomenal. And he's been doing it for so long. I mean, you know, wow. Anyway, and to be able to to be able to uh, intermix a banjo into a comedy sketch or stand-up comedy routine, I think is pretty amazing as well Eddie Murphy ah oh, do you know what going back even earlier I I think one of my first videos I ever watched and I think this might have been rented was Eddie Murphy's Delirious in 1988 so that's before I started collecting videos or maybe that's around the time that I started collecting them so I was sort of 17 before I was was 17 at the time and I watched Delirious I'm pretty sure I rented it but I might have bought it I don't know and I laughed so much it's the funniest thing I'd ever seen because it was was just brilliant but I didn't know Eddie Murphy did stand up comedy I'd seen him in the movies you know uh, Beverly Hills Cop and 48 Hours and um, but all of those I mean they were all just he was the biggest biggest uh, Hollywood star wasn't he Um, it's a bit like Richard Pryor I didn't know Richard Pryor was a comedian 
until again the same kind of age when I was about seventeen. Because before that, and I was a big I was a big fan of Richard Pryor, but his movies. And again, like I like I did with Steve Martin, I watched because on TV they used to show Brewster's Millions. You'd see uh, Superman three, maybe Christmas time. Um, Stir Chicken or Stir Crazy that's it Stir Crazy and Silver Streak I think they were the main films that Richard Pryor that would get shown on television now I didn't know that he'd made lots of other films until I went to the video shop they knew me in there Oh, honestly, I watched, I think, every single film possible. I watched everything. I was a proper movie buff. I don't know why. I just loved watching films. My favourite feeling that I ever got when we were kids, because I didn't... It's not that I didn't like being around the family. I just... You know, I didn't look, <laughs> I didn't look forward to it. I just... It's because I had brothers and we'd argue, and it was not. It was and because two of them were older than me, older than me, which meant they would win, and the other one was eight years younger than me, which meant he would win. So I didn't really have a chance. Uh, so, and I was always I always liked things. I liked different things to the others. I liked to read, and the others didn't seem that bothered about that. Or maybe I like to read, you know, different things to them. I had different interests. Like my oldest brother was a massive Elvis fan. Like, as big an Elvis fan as you'll ever meet. He had, I think he had nearly all of his albums and he just loved him. He spent a lot of time doing that, like listening to Elvis. And he, that's like his life... A lot of his life, when he wasn't at school, was based on that because he loved Elvis so much, and that's where I got my love for Elvis from. Probably, in reality, just from hearing Elvis's songs all the time during my childhood, as you know, during the during the ages of eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, you know, and then suddenly I just realised that I was an Elvis fan as well. And my other brother, he was very physical. He was a very um, athletic, physical person. So he very active. That's what I'm trying to say. He's a very active person. So he'd be out a lot doing stuff and having fun. I was more uh, sitting at home on my own. I liked sitting downstairs if I was on my own or I was doing something and other people were just doing their own thing reading a book or maybe doing a drawing or you know something like that or watching television or watching a movie 
but generally, because I didn't have my own television until I was probably 14, maybe 15. No, 14, 14. And so, you know, I was reliant upon the television downstairs. Now, why I didn't just buy myself a television, I don't know. Didn't even enter my mind. So I could have paid, I could have got one. Uh, maybe I wasn't allowed one, I don't know. But I had, you know, I had income. In fact, I probably had more money when I was at school than I do now. Because I was had like three different jobs. You know, I was thinking about that. I know that... Um, working young children is frowned upon. You know sort of sweatshops and things like that and of course I agree with that it should be frowned upon but we do need them otherwise how are we supposed to get cheap clothes <laughs> I'm joking I'm joking um, but I was thinking you know what I was I was watching an episode of Family Guy and Chris for those who don't know what the programme is then it's a cartoon and Chris marries he's 14 and he marries a girl probably about the same age maybe 15 in the in the show and he has to he ends up working in a restaurant uh in, and they're living together and you know he and i thought about that you know and i was thinking you know what i reckon most 14 year old boys not most because there's going to be a lot you know that want to go to school and want to go to university and you know have uh, dreams and stuff but if you gave a 14 year old teenage boy an opportunity to live with his girlfriend and to live an adult lifestyle and to be able to you know do all the things that he's not supposed to do but as an ad you know but he can because he's married and he's able to and the only thing he's got to do for that is to go to work full time you would have such a long list of 14 year old boys wanting to go to work and I would have been in that list as well I would have been in that queue I would have I would have loved to have gone to work full time at the age of 12 13 even rather than go to school seriously I mean, I think some people, I don't know, I don't know, I just think some people maybe are best suited for different things. And maybe should give the, should be, have the opportunity to find out what they're good at. And if you're at school and you've not found out what you're good at, or if you've not found something you're interested in, and let's face it, there's quite a few subjects in school. I mean, it's there's a lot of information there and a lot of different things that you can learn. And if, if you still haven't found something that you're interested in, by the time you get to 12, 13, 14, or 12, I left school at 15, so 14 is not that young, but 12, let's say. There may be an opportunity to go and work. As long as you get paid, 
proper wage, not a four, you know, twelve-year-old wage, but a proper adult wage, and you're treated with respect, and you have all the same rules as everyone else. I reckon quite a few people would want to do that. Learn a trade, learn to be a mechanic, or learn to do such. You know, find something that they've they're passionate about that they're interested in because you know I honestly I feel I feel like I I wasted five years of my life being at school I didn't really I really felt that I learned anything and part of that was because I was determined not to so you know can't really blame anyone else but I didn't I think I learned more in the part-time job in the bakery that I had at the weekends. I learned communication skills because I was with adults. But I was with adults that weren't telling me what to do in a way that, like, like parents. It was a different kind of... It was a responsibility, you know? Because in a job, you can get told what to do, but you can walk out. You don't have to do it. You know, especially if it's a part-time job and you're at school. I could have walked out any minute and said, No, you break the eggs yourself. I'm not carrying that tray. You know, whatever it would be that I might say. But I enjoyed that job. I even got up at 6 o'clock. I I started work at 6 o'clock on a Saturday, 5 o'clock on a Sunday. That's early. And I'm not an early riser. Well, part part of me is, but most of me is not. My brain is definitely isn't. And I think that might have been better for me. Maybe. Either that, or maybe in school. It might be a lot different. Well, it will be a lot different from the 700 years ago that I was there but even now basic things like how to queue for a bus doesn't seem to be taught at school and you think about it the last 6-7 months the television adverts in my country have been trying to teach the population how to wash their hands it's not just how to wash your hands but begging people to please wash their hands when they give birth to the Maltesers I mean it's like what that's that's worrying so things you know queuing for a bus the amount of young people the, you know, I'll be waiting for a bus with my friend or just on my own. I'll be waiting maybe ten minutes. Some young twenty-year-old or whatever will walk up, wait there for maybe a couple of minutes. The bus will pull up. He'll put his hand out. I'll put my hand out as well. We don't we don't touch hands until we like put your hand out for the bus to stop. And He'll go on the bus first. 
Now, there's been times when I said, oi, and I said, I'm, I'm, I'm getting on first. I don't do that so much now, but I have done that in the past. But it just seems like absolutely like a lack of, I guess, but then I didn't realise that I think up to the age of 25, a human's brain doesn't work properly anyway. It's still, it's the connections are still building together. This, and a teenager's brain is not, it's no one's fault. It's just, you know, the brain hasn't developed. And the more that the scientists and the brain experts explore, the more they're realizing that we are never the finished article. Our brains are constantly changing as are our bodies we are never finished our brains are never complete which is brilliant because it means that we can continue to learn and there's that whole thing saying well if you haven't you can't learn after a certain age well I've realized that's not true the only reason people might not learn after a certain age is for two reasons firstly because they're too lazy to do it secondly because they believe they can't because that's what they're being brought up to think that's what they're being had their brainwashing done so much brainwashing <laughs> so before we go because it is time to go I'm just going to read you out the weights for the different boxings minimum weight is 105 pounds so I'm pretty I've never heard of anyone fighting at 48 kilos for 105 pounds I mean that's that's more than half my body weight it's basically just my legs running around you got light flyweight, 108 pounds. Three pounds. So you can go up, you can win the world title at minimum weight, go up three pounds and fight for another world title. I can lose three pounds just getting onto the exercise bike. Uh, flyweight, 112 pounds. Eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, four pounds. Came four pounds. It's nothing, is it? So that's why a lot of the the lower weight boxers manage to win world titles in lots of different weights. And because some of them are very young when they start, let's face it, you're not gonna. How many grown adult men are you gonna find that are forty eight kilos? I mean, that's the size of an obese baby, isn't it? A toddler that's a bit big. I mean, 40, you know, 105 pounds for an adult man. Yeah, maybe a teenager, 17, 18-year-old, very extremely slim, uh, short, you know, person. But they're going to put weight on as they get older. So once they reach maybe 20, 22, 25, they may well be, 
that might have gone up like six, seven weights. So in that period, they could perhaps win world titles at all those different weights and end up being uh, a welterweight maybe, which is 147 pounds. So they might put, so four, yeah. Anyway, there's minimum weight, lightweight, flyweight, super flyweight, bantamweight, super bantamweight, featherweight, super featherweight. There's four pounds between them. I don't know why they bother. Lightweight, super lightweight, welterweight, super welterweight, middleweight, super middleweight, light heavyweight, cruiserweight, and heavyweight. But it's different in Olympics, see? So there's only one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. There's ten weights in the Olympics opposed to the 700 different weights on there so a heavyweight is 91 kilos up to 91 kilos okay so 201 pounds that's a heavyweight in the Olympics super heavyweight is above 91 kilos so what happens is a heavyweight Someone who wins the super heavyweight world title, um, the Olympic gold or one of the medals, will then go on to be a heavyweight fighter in the boxing ranks, the professional ranks, if they choose. A heavyweight will go on to be a cruiserweight in the professional division. Because that's a heavyweight basically is cruiserweight. I don't know why they don't just put cruiserweight and then heavyweight make more sense instead of super heavyweight now with women's boxing they can't decide apparently according to this a heavyweight super heavyweight in professional boxing is over 179 pounds 81 kilos that's what I want to see I want to see heavyweight super heavyweight boxers women because I'd just like to see what that would be like so I haven't seen that yet I've only seen like middleweight lightweight middleweight the women Olympics is restricted to just three weight classes three flyweight lightweight and middleweight which explains why we've not seen no heavyweight professional um, stars because the stars generally come from the Olympics that's where it's really that's uh, where they've been the leaders in professional women's boxing so let's get a heavyweight in there that's what I want to see just a personal thing just a personal wish of mine so that's it so I'm going to go now I'm going to go now thank you very much for listening remember to be kind to yourself because you deserve
to be happy. Lots of love. Bye. Yeah. <laughs>